Hello everyone. Welcome to Voice of the Wild, an environment and wildlife podcast initiative by Naturalist Foundation. This is the second season episode 9 of this podcast. With this podcast, we bring you closer to the world of wildlife conservation, scientific research and government environmental policies. I am Vanishree Naik and I'll be talking about a mix of informative, exciting and serious topics. So starting with something exciting, I'll be talking about how researchers have managed to find out if animals have a sixth sense that alert them before natural disasters. Moving on to a very serious topic that needs all our attention about an invasive plant that is trying to destroy the tiger habitats of our country. Now as we all know, the government has taken some positive steps towards environmental protection and there is a new portable microscope that could be helpful for on-field observations of wildlife diseases making these steps easier so let's get started humans are conditioned to believe in magical presence or even a special power as a result of which the world is filled with numerous superstitions and anecdotes we all must have heard the saying that animals have a sixth sense for detecting natural disasters some believe it because they heard it from another or some because they've actually experienced it now what if we tell you that at least this anecdote to some extent could be true for centuries people have spoken about unusual behavior of their pets before any seismic disasters people have observed continuous barks from pet dogs even milking cows halt their milk before such disasters such behavior is not just observed in domestic animals but even animals like ants frogs and snakes have also been seen having drastic reactions just before a natural disaster so does this mean that animals really have a sixth sense unfortunately science doesn't believe in mere observations but requires proper calculations and examination to prove a point thus not much could be found out about this due to technological back drawbacks until now researchers at max planck institute of animal behavior have precisely measured the said behavioral changes in a group of farm animals though this study is not the most precise or final it could be a really great step into understanding this whole soul behavior shift but what were the methods actually used for this study the instruments used were highly sensitive to accelerated movements of an animal in any direction these instruments were attached to farm animals on a small scale for a total period of 4 months along with gps sensors in an earthquake prone area observations included normal daily movements and interactions as the average and an any accelerated movements were noted This concluded that the animal movements increased significantly before minimum of magnitude 3.8 earthquakes. Reactions were more intense when the animals were housed in stables or confined places rather than in a free land pasture. It was also observed that the reaction of one animal could trigger that of another which showed a mutual influence pattern. This sort of pattern is also observed in wild animals in the form of alarm calls that helps communication between birds, mammals and reptiles to increase the chances of their survival. It was observed that the reactions were anywhere between 1 to 20 hours prior to the event 
and the closer the origin point from the location of the animal, sooner the behavior shift was observed. But could this study be put to the use of human benefit? To make us aware of seismic destructions hours prior to the disaster, is it even possible? It is possible only if we could, you know, try to sort out certain drawbacks and avoid them. The experiment should be conducted at a large scale including various species of animals. Observations should be made on false results like how many times a provoked behavior did not lead to a forthcoming earthquake or even the times where a disaster did strike but there was no reaction observed in the animals. Also, the trigger has to be noted as animal behavior is not always certain. Increased activities could also mean play time or excitement. Thus, disaster production for human use is not yet to be considered. Talking about animals, we usually forget that we are one of them, provoking the question that whether us humans could also sense natural disasters as prior. Anthropologists believe that ancient knowledge of the movement of wind, sea and birds may have saved the early man to evolve into what we are today. Five indigenous tribes on the Andaman and Nicobar Islands were observed to be able to save themselves from the tsunami that hit the Asian coastline in 2004. These islands included the most primitive group of humans alive, that is the Centelin Islands humans. These were seen to be moving inward on the island as prior to when the tsunami struck. Does that indicate that humans have lost one of the sole instinct that helped us survive while running the never-ending race of development. Does this mean that we have not only caused problems for other plant and animal species living on this planet but ourselves too? Have we become the sole invasive species that is responsible for the collapsing environment? We need to think about this. Anyways, talking about one more such invasive species but nearly not as dangerous as us, there is a new threat that has surfaced. It caused problems for the tiger habitats that we have been trying to save since decades now. It's not a disease, it's not even a huge animal, but a plant species called the Lantana camara. This is a very common plant and I'm sure most of you must have come across this at least once in your lifetime. And the sole reason being its invasiveness. The plant might look really innocent but has managed to cover around 40% of India's tiger habitat. Now you may say that isn't it a good thing that the plant is procreating at such a good pace? Let me tell you where the problem lies. The plant is not an Indian species and has arrived to India as an ornamental plant. It managed to escape from the gardens and started taking over the natural habitat, which means it made it difficult for the Indian plants to survive. It absorbs the nutrients and sunlight very effectively because it is a densely growing shrub, making it difficult for our Indian plants to do the same. Not only that, but it is also notorious in releasing harmful toxins in the soil so that other plants don't grow there. All of these things are the reason why it has the title of being in the top 10 invasive species of the world. Now does that cause a problem? Sure it does. The animals that depend on our native vegetation find it difficult to find enough foraging plants. They cannot feed on lantana as this leads to an allergic reaction 
even liver failure, diarrhea and sometimes even death. This causes a problem that can risk their population and at a greater scale cause problems for the entire ecosystem. According to a recent study, Lantana covers around 1,54,000 square kilometers of the tiger habitats in India. Some reserves like Bandipur are completely covered with the plant causing major concern. The study was made in a format where the tiger habitats from 18 states were divided into units of 25 square kilometer and then sampled for native and invasive plants. Among the areas sampled were Shivalik Hills and the north deciduous forest of central India and southern western Ghats were the most affected by this invasion. One more thing that was noted is that humans played a really important role in making it easier for these plants to invade natural habitats. Human activities like mining, road widening, forest fragmentation, etc. paved way for easier invasion. It's time we realize that not everything that is green is proved good for the natural habitats of our country. It has become really important to control the growth of this plant and the forest department has been religiously working to manage this problem by either burning or manually uprooting the plants. It is still really difficult as the rapid procreation of this plant is really difficult to control. Fire-based control has proven to be the best method to destroy the seed banks of this plant. Now we obviously cannot get in and actively do something about what's happening in the forest, but we as commoners need to set out priorities and prefer local plants over the invasive ones. Now the main reason for choosing foreign ornamental plants is because of its easy maintenance and beauty. But we have other options like the plant species of medium, vinca and lawsonia. It's better to always check if a plant is invasive before purchasing it. It is our responsibility as citizens to make wise choices that help the government to fight such issues rather than just complaining. Now that we are talking about environment and how we need to save it, let's look into the human-wildlife conflict side of this story. As we all know that most national parks and sanctuaries are present around areas that are not very well developed metropolitan cities. The people living around these national parks are also almost completely or partially dependent on livestock and agriculture. Now we all have heard about the problems that these villagers face when it comes to livestock damage by wild animals. The damage happens not just on the part of humans but also for wild animals. There are many different ways in which human-animal conflict can take place and one of them is the spreading or exchange of diseases from either livestock to wildlife or vice versa. Now, as we all know, with increasing demand each year, the amount of grazing and farm animals have also increased. The large portion of global food economy depends on livestock products. Now, for the people that live in such eco-sensitive zones, there is a higher risk of animal attacks or spreading of diseases. This impacts both agricultural livelihoods and also wildlife conservation. For the past three years now, Munib Khanyari, have been working across various sites in Spiti Valley to understand the transmission of the diseases between the two. Understanding this particular topic can help in forming evidence-based intervention that can minimize disease risk. Healthy livestock ensures increased livelihood of herders and healthy wildlife means the ecological equilibrium of higher Himalayas 
which is vital for the region's climate and maintenance of major rivers, will be preserved. However, there is a reason why diseases remain understudied in the mountains. The study requires collection of samples in frigid and extreme weather conditions. These samples then need to be stored in hazardous reagents before being transported to the laboratories that are at least 100 to 1000 kilometers apart. It also is difficult to obtain permit for the transportation of these samples and the huge time gap between collection and lab examination can significantly degrade the samples. Studying diseases in the field could help this situation and that is where the portable microscope comes handy. Studying microorganisms and looking for disease-causing pathogens can now be done on field. For example, when looking for gastrointestinal nematodes that are commonly called as stomach worms, the researchers need to first look for a species of interest and wait for them to defecate. The next step is to examine the crushed feces under the microscope for nematode eggs. If the feces isn't fresh, the eggs would either hatch or dry out. Now due to this new portable microscope, setting up a field laboratory becomes easy. The low-light microscope is about the size of a wallet and when switched on, it connects to an app on the phone which acts like the eyepiece of the microscope. It also helps to take a photograph of desired results which can be identified later. This improves the efficiency of robust science. It not only reduces transportation costs but also enables long-term studies. In the past decade, the lack of such equipment has caused many problems like time-consuming analysis, low study concentration, not giving a clear idea for intervention. This has caused many herders to lose their animals to diseases and wildlife to degrade. This equipment and many like it can help safeguard livelihoods of people as well as wildlife populations. But like with most equipments like this, there are certain drawbacks to it. Working in cold climates means the battery of both the microscope as well as the phone get drained often. In a landscape with human settlements being far off with limited electricity, it causes some issues. This can however be overcome by using solar chargers. But again, the often overcast snow-laden Himalayas cannot offer much on that account. I hope you all enjoyed this podcast. We will keep posting such content every week. Please like, share and subscribe or follow us and stay updated. Please support us on Patreon to show appreciation towards our young team that create and provide such informatic content for you. Link is mentioned in the description. Thank you and see you next time.